0: You're listening to the Be Well Be Wild podcast. I'm Jenny Wolf and with over 13 years of coaching experience, I know a thing or two about transforming the way you live, love and lead. If you're looking to wildly upgrade your life, relationships, productivity, mental, physical, spiritual well-being, then you're in the right place. My goal on this podcast is to show you how to authentically leverage greater well-being, connection and leadership create true joy and lasting success at home and work. Leave it to me to provide you with the tools, skills, and mindset shifts required to say bye to the status quo life and hello to being well and wildly successful. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. So Today is about five sneaky thoughts that could be sabotaging your mental health. And these are things that I often hear from my clients. If you are someone that feels like they, you know, struggle to find time to get their workout in or to do something for themselves or maybe you're finding yourself neglecting certain relationships because you just think that you got to push through one more time. Or maybe you think that if you focus on anything that's of mental health, that it might mean that you're weak or that, you know, you might be experiencing some shame or something around it. So you might talk yourself out of it. Well, my mission, one of my missions, especially this month, is to normalize talking about mental health, about therapy, and about spirituality. And these things that really particular are thoughts that might be getting in a way of our mental health, and that could be really limiting ourselves in a lot of ways just from being our best self. And what that does in turn is it messes up or can mess up our relationships personally, professionally. It can, you know, cause some resentment. It can cause some guilt, shame. And ultimately, it has us not talk about these things because, well, unfortunately, these thoughts that we have, they're really common. Um, And so I think if we just start talking about them and we start noticing them and we start noticing them in ourselves and perhaps even sharing them with our friends or our family, we start to see that, you know what? Oh, my gosh, a lot of other people are having these same thoughts. And we realize, oh, like, I'm not alone in this. And that's a really big part of that. So I'm hoping to start this conversation here and having you just think about for yourself and perhaps invite you to have more conversations about this as well if something resonates with you. So let's go ahead and jump in to these five stinky thoughts that could be sabotaging your mind, your mental health, and what and then how to get out of them, because I don't really like to talk about the problem without really talking about the solution. So we'll be talking about how to really shift these thoughts and giving you some alternative ways of thinking about our mental health or self-care. And hopefully that will give you another way of thinking about this so that you can perhaps even share this with somebody else and it will inspire them to look at it differently. But really, as you know, our thoughts create our feelings and that creates a lot of our action when we're not paying attention. So we live in that space the majority of the time without really being aware that certain thoughts are really controlling how we're showing up in our life. And so this is a way for us to start to pause and start to recognize that these are happening and become aware of them. And then that's a huge achievement right there in and of itself. But perhaps we can then start to look at it a little bit differently, to start to rewire the brain, to start to tell ourselves a different story so that you can actually take care of yourself in a holistic way, in a way that often will inspire others to do the same and will allow you to be your best self for your family at work and really for you. So... The first one that I think is really common and you probably have heard it because I think there's a lot of like people that talk about it is that self-care is selfish and this is a can be a subconscious thought, right? It's not like you're walking around saying, you know, people that take care of themselves are selfish, but you might have a judgment about yourself that, oh, if I do that thing, then that feels selfish. And you might even have like shame around doing that thing. For example, like let's say it feels really maybe you judge yourself like if you want to go get a massage and you don't tell, you know, someone that you went to get a massage because it just feels really indulgent um, and it feels selfish. So you don't want to share that with somebody or maybe you avoid asking someone to help you out with something So that you have the time to go work out or to prioritize your mental health, maybe go to therapy, maybe um, go on a walk, you know, it could be anything. And so you might avoid asking for help because you feel like that feels selfish. This is probably, I think, the most common thing, you know, and I think all of us have a little bit of this. Um, And here's what I am going to invite you to look at this is what you can, how you can look at it a little bit differently. So caring for yourself is actually caring for others. The best way to support others around you, to help others around you, is to take care of your own emotional, physical, spiritual well-being. When you take care of you, you then build your capacity, your energy, your resources. To pour into other people, to take care of them, to inspire them, to be a good friend, to help them out. Think about that for yourself. If you start to pour into yourself, it is actually something that helps other people in the long run. And this is, you know, I work with a lot of moms who are also, you know, executives or running their own business. They have busy schedules. And, you know, I remember at one point I was talking to somebody that I was working with and she was like, you know, trying to kind of figure out when she could do something for her business, which was ultimately a practice in self-care because it was something that really inspired her and energized her, right? It was pouring into her business and doing something there, but she had a conflict with picking up her kids from school. And you know, we talked about just what what would that what would be ideal for her? And she's like, "Well, you know, I want both. I want to be able to pick up my kids from school and I want to be able to pour myself into my business." So, when we got down to it, she realized, you know, even if it's just one day a week that I get my mother-in-law, that I get my husband, that I get whoever, someone to pick up my kids from school then that actually will allow me to be more energized to be more excited about what I have going on and she knew ultimately that that was actually better for her family not just for her because she wanted to show her kids that there's other things that are important in life right that there, it's important to pursue your dreams that it's important to do the things that energize you that make you happy that bring you joy and so I want you to think about that for yourself like what are these things that maybe you judge them as being selfish if you pursued pursued them but think about what would be the result of you pursuing those How would you show up differently because you were actually doing the things that brought you that joy? Would you be less resentful to your family? Would you be more kind? Would you be more excited? Think about that for yourself. Okay, so number two is what what can get in the way of our mental health is being self-critical. And Then the shift for this is pretty easy. When we think about it, it's self-compassion, self-kindness. And this sounds like very easy on the ears. And you're like, yeah, okay, maybe I've heard that before. But what in the heck does that actually mean? And also, you might automatically say to yourself, oh, I'm not self-critical. And I invite you here to be curious for a moment. I want you to just maybe for the next day take note of the things that you say to yourself. Take note of the thoughts that are going on in your mind, of the things that you tell yourself when something doesn't maybe go well, or when you get frustrated, when you get upset. Start to be aware of that voice and how you are actually talking to yourself. Is it kind? Is it compassionate? Is it empathetic? Or is it mean? judgmental, critical? Does it give you this feeling of shrinking or perhaps wanting to hide or creating shame? It's just a place to look. And I think for me, what I have found is an easy way to, I say an easy way, easier said than done, but I guess a thought to take on here or a shift to consider is to watch the comments you say to yourself. And if it's not something that you would say to your kid or to your very best friend or to your dog or to um, someone that you really care for, then you probably need to not be saying it to yourself. So that's a really great way or a gauge to start to identify How are you talking to yourself? Are you speaking kindness over yourself? And really here, we're just trying to get rid of the critical part, right? We're trying to at least quiet the criticalness and start to notice it. When we notice it, sometimes it can be very, very loud, right? When we first start noticing it. And that's okay. You might then be critical of being critical of yourself. (laughs) Um, And I know I have been there and I know I do that. My like, gosh, like, why can't I stop doing this? And I'm like, oh, wow, I am now using this as a weapon and another thing to feel like I need to quote unquote fix. So this is where we just start to notice it, right? We notice it. It might get louder and perhaps start to say the kind thing to yourself. It might feel weird. It might feel off. You might be like, I don't know. This is uncomfortable. I don't really believe it. It is Okay. But it's at least the recognition and then the the reframing of it is going to be really supportive. It's going to at least get us back to a baseline versus us sabotaging this and creating that cycle, that vicious cycle of that negative self-talk. So this one kind of goes hand in hand with the evidence that we start to pay attention to in our life with the stories that we're telling ourselves. So when we tell ourselves a story, whether it be, oh, I'm not good enough, or I never can be consistent, I can never work out, I feel like I'm just so lazy, or whatever it is that you're telling yourself, whenever something happens that is evidence for that story, that's when we start to criticize ourselves more, right? We start to be like, oh, see, I was right. It's almost like that part of you your survival mechanism, your ego, whatever you want to call it, that, that part of you that's trying to protect yourself is like, see, look, look, it's, it's evidence for why you need to continue being critical of yourself. And when you start to make this shift, you start to look for evidence on the contrary. When you start to tell yourself a different story, you start to look for different evidence. And that's just how a part of our brain works, our reticular activating system, which is this part of our brain that filters our brain, I'm sorry, that filters the information coming into our brain. And you start to notice the things that you're focusing on. I know that that sounds really simple or maybe a little weird, but this is the thing that is we can really use it to our advantage. So if I told you, hey, I want you to start to just look for how everything is rigged in your favor if I just was able to cast a spell on you right now and just be like look I want you for the next day to see how everything is rigged in your favor it's almost like I'm challenging you in every way to get creative whether you are you know you think it works out or not your challenge is to see how it is actually working out for you to make up a story that's actually going to serve you. And that's really the the goal here with, you know, this sneaky thought, this sneaky, critical part of ourselves is to start to focus on something different instead of criticizing what's wrong, what needs to be fixed. Okay. Number three is kind of a, a lot here, but this is like ignoring, avoiding, forcing, Pushing through. This one I think is really common for people that are kind of addicted to that hustle and grind mentality that are high achievers, are really successful, because a lot of times this is how you have perhaps achieved great things in your life, is pushing through, is avoiding pain, or avoiding suffering, or ignoring parts of yourself, or Ignoring what you know would be really good because you think you just need to push through one more time and then you'll address that thing right It's like I think of it like you're on a run and you have a rock in your shoe and you need to run a you know ten miles and you're just like dealing and tolerating with the rock in your shoe until you cross the finish line and this is how a lot of us live like live our life we ignore, you know, signs that we're getting. But we just tell ourselves, well, just, you know, I just need to, it's okay, I can tolerate that pain for right now. And I'm just going to push through. And let me just say that, perhaps like this can be a really great tool, a really great strategy for you to achieve. I, I'm not saying that it's wrong at all. Um, it's just that when it's used often, too often it's not sustainable it's not a sustainable strategy um and that's the thing is i think it just becomes unhealthy right it becomes an unhealthy strategy when we're ignoring and avoiding things that we know we need to be paying attention to ultimately if you take that 10,000 foot view and you're like oh yeah this is actually let me just pause for a minute it would be better if i just pause the run And I took the rock out of my shoe and then I started running again because I might be able to actually run faster. I might be able to focus on something else rather than the pain in my foot. But we avoid stopping, pausing, checking in because we think we just need to keep on going because we're fearful that if we pause, we're going to lose our edge or something like that, right? We're going to lose the race. So the shift here is listening to your body. And really this is what I think here it's like it's checking in around the really simple things, the basic things that allow you to be your best. Sleep, nutrition, water, movement, social support. Could probably keep on going on with this list, but those are the simple basic things that come to mind that allow you to be your best mentally? What are those things that allow you to show up your best? And for every person, it's different. I have, I think, several episodes on this. But the challenge here can be changing your routine because you're already in a routine. Of just hustle and grind. I'm already running, right? To stop is hard. Right. It's like to to like I'm already in a in a flow here and I'm scared if I stop, then I'm going to not achieve the thing that I want to achieve. And that's again just a story, a limiting belief that we tell ourselves. So the challenge here is actually changing the routine. It's seeing the value in the thing that you're looking at implementing that will actually lessen the suffering. So in and not having to relate to it as something that's rigid, right? It's like it is challenging to perhaps start to med- to start to meditate in the morning, right? You're like, "Oh gosh, like it's just easier to start work, to just dive into work." So there's going to be resistance there, but reminding yourself of the value of what that actually brings you if you have experienced it before. Like maybe I know I've had a lot of clients that, you know, will start a meditation practice and they're like, I know that the days that I just meditate for five minutes, I am more calm, I'm more peaceful, I'm less likely to blow up on my partner, I'm more likely to, you know, be able to focus at work. To be able to be kind to my coworkers, whatever it is. And when you start to relate to that value, you're more likely to be pulled by the vision, by the thing that you want to start to implement. So remembering that, you know, here we avoid changing the routine, we avoid the. Like we just push through because we think that, well, that's how I've always gotten here. But we're we're enduring the suffering, and the thing is, is that pain is inevitable. We're going to experience pain in some way, but the suffering is optional. So when we're looking, especially at number three, instead of thinking of ourselves like pushing through something, that's almost like you're you're sustaining the suffering versus just kind of ripping the band-aid off and experiencing a little bit of pain for a short period of time of, for example, changing your routine of going to bed earlier, waking up, you know, earlier or so that you can go and work out or, you know, planning a meal or drinking more water, whatever it is, you're going to have some pain with that because you're changing a routine, but the suffering is going to lessen. So, That one is definitely a sneaky thought that can sabotage your mental health. Just ignoring or avoiding the thing that you know will actually make the difference. So consider that for yourself. What is like one thing this next week that you could, instead of avoiding it, you could actually embrace it, invite it in and see how, what, like what value this thing would be. One thing, like this is not, we're not overhauling our life here it could be as simple as just drinking water drinking more water or going to bed a little earlier okay number 4 is comparing comparing yourself to other people when it comes to their journey around maybe it's mental health maybe it's success maybe it's just life goals whatever it is but looking over other people. And this is really just starting to, this kind of goes hand in hand with the self-critical a little bit, but this is really about feeling like you're just kind of always behind. And so you look for the evidence of why you're behind by looking at other people and where they are on their journey. And so here's the truth There's always going to be someone that is behind you in their journey. And there is always going to be someone that's ahead of you in their journey. And even as I'm saying that, I'm putting quotations around behind and ahead. Because compared to what? (laughs) Like compared to you and like also do we really know where someone is in their journey? No right? Like these are, it's important to know that we don't see everything. We only see a part of everyone's story. People Mm -hmm. only see a part of your story. Um, and I think the shift, well, I know the shift here is embracing this thought that healing looks different for everybody. Reminding ourselves that we don't see everything. And this can be, you know, just generally speaking in our life, but also like, let's just, I'll share a personal thing here. When my dad passed away, I remember wanting to figure out a system for grief. And I'm laughing at myself as I say this, because, you know, I think even my therapist said that to me at one point. She was like, if if there were a system for grief, Jenny, she was like, you um, you would have figured it out by you now. <laughs> Um, so there's not. Um, but the reason I wanted it is because I, you know, had known other people that had lost their parents before. And I was like, well, I feel like this is taking too long. Like, I feel like my grieving process is too long. And it's like, compared to what? Right? Like, compared to, and it's like, you can't even look at anybody else's. It's like, everybody's experience is so different. So hopefully me sharing that with you, you can kind of see how silly it sounds, That really it's just about meeting yourself where you're at. And I think what, at least in my experience, is that when we are comparing, often what we're doing is we're not even allowing ourselves to experience what we're actually experiencing. Like we're not being present. And when we're not being present, we're resisting something. We're resisting the present moment. And so we're living in the past or the future, wishing that we were ahead, wishing that we would have done something differently because we're looking over at the other side, you know, we're thinking the grass is always greener. And that is the the context, the belief structure that we're living in, the story that we're living in. And when we just own where we're at, there's a lot of power in it and a lot Less of this persisting with the the suffering or the pain because it's just like we have a foot on the brake, but we want to have our foot on the gas. And when we're comparing, it's almost like you're pushing both of them down at the same time. You're saying you want to go forward, but you're really breaking. So healing looks different for every single person. Meet yourself where you're at and allow yourself to be there. And what I remind myself of is just the best way out is through. Um that really keeps me in the present moment with myself and where I'm at in my journey. The there's a big part there where trust comes into, right? Like I don't think we can talk about this without talking about trust. Like you got to just trust your process, trust where you're at, trust that you know you're you're where you need to be. Um and that There is light at the end of the tunnel, um, but when you're in it, it doesn't feel that way. And even though personally, I've been through a lot of things where it feels like that when you're in it, it's just like, this feels like forever. It feels like it's going to be like that forever and reminding yourself that that's just not true, that one day you're going to feel different and that might be the next moment might be the next day. It might be glimpses of it. And you can allow that to give you hope and remind yourself that you can get support and perhaps allow yourself to move through that more gracefully. So a lot of grace comes in with this one. Um, so number five, and this is, there's a little overlap here with this one, but number five is being judgmental about yourself. Um, but also this comes with like compartmentalizing things, like resisting things, cutting off this part of you that perhaps is something that really supports you, but you don't bring it into all areas of your life. So what I call this is like resisting a love, resisting something that you love, resisting something that brings you joy. And often we do this because there might be a stigma around it. There might be judgment in society or even from yourself. And it has you not allow yourself to come into situations fully you, wholly you. Um, And what I mean by that is like, I know for me, this was really common in my business. I find I relate to myself as someone that's fairly spiritual otherwise. But when it came to creating my business, um, I know I fought this idea of it being a spiritual experience. I was like, nope, it's business. It's logistics. It's numbers. I need a business plan and there needs to be a strategy and there needs to be step one, two, three, four. And then when I allowed myself to bring in, and this is still a work in progress, but to bring in this spiritual experience that I have in other areas of my life where there's an immense amount of trust and love and kindness and compassion and just, you know, ease really, that there was like this opening and like this, like, it's like a breath of fresh air. And from a mental standpoint, that was really challenging for me when I was resisting that part of myself or resisting that thing that I love that brings me a lot of joy and brings me a lot of peace in my business. It was like, why am I doing that? And it's just because, you know, I had a judgment around that. Um, I thought it wouldn't work. I thought other people would judge me. I was worried about what other people would think. Um, and so we, you know, cut off authenticity. We cut off things that are important to us. And that can cause some mental, like, just mental weight and just this feeling of, like, we have to shrink and we can't really be ourselves, And that is taxing. Right. That's there's a lot of managing and control that comes along with that. So we shrink, we come, we conform to certain situations in order to fit in and in order to try to be someone that we're really not meant to be. (laughs) Um, so this is this shift from noticing this judgmental, noticing this this judgmental part of us or this what what are we cutting off, noticing that. What are what are these parts of us that we're cutting off that we're not allowing ourselves to bring into all areas of our life? And it's probably a part of you that you really love. Um or that brings you a lot of joy, that brings you a lot of love in your life. And how can you then bring that in, allow that. Essentially, there's not even that. This is the interesting thing is it takes a lot more work to manage and control or to resist that thing than to actually allow it in. Because it's the allowance of it. This is why they call it surrender. Because you're not actually having to do anything. (laughs) The managing and control is the thing that takes more energy that takes more muscle. Versus you allowing and you surrendering and being fully you, accepting you, accepting yourself for where you are and what you want to bring to the table. And it's not like this is like happens in a flip of a switch. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it does for some people. I mean, I'm saying that just to, you know, temper expectations here around this. But to just know that this is like a an unfolding In your life that I think that this is something that develops over time and continually develops because we have so much training that, you know, we've picked up along the way from society, from parents, from TV, from all these other things that we're unlearning all of that. And we're just allowing ourselves to come through more. Okay. So the five are, I'm going to review them quickly. The five are going from, you know, thinking that self-care is selfish to realizing that if we care for ourselves, that that allows us to care for others, that it expands our capacity to do that. And number two is moving from being self-critical to being more compassionate and kind to ourselves and watching these thoughts and the things that we say to ourselves. Number three is moving from this idea of suffering or ignoring or avoiding certain things, putting them off, to listening to your body, to checking in around the basic things that allow you to be your best self. Number four is moving from comparing to embracing the idea that healing looks different for everybody. And that reminds me of that quote by Eleanor Roosevelt, that comparison is the thief of joy. Number five is compartmentalizing or resisting a love, right, to allowing and accepting all parts of you. And I'm gonna say one more thing about this. This is really like, I think that this is really where the work at is at for most people is in this is what I call as integration, allowing all parts of ourselves without shame. Allowing all these parts of ourselves. So it's like the good and the bad, right? Like I'm not talking just the love, but also allowing maybe something that you have shame around. And I think that this, you know, just to kind of wrap up this conversation is. This is a big reason why people will not seek out therapy or other modalities that may be really supportive for their mental health because they view it as, like, oh, there's shame around that, or that's weak, or something like that. And I really am of the belief that if we start talking about this type of stuff more with each other, um, that we will start to normalize it and people start to see it's actually courageous to step into these places, to um, go to therapy, to try different practice, to shake up your routine, to do something different, but that is actually the courageous thing to do. So thank you so much for listening. And if you need any support, please reach out. Um, I want you guys to know that there is a really cool quiz on the site. If you have not taken it, it's the lifestyle quiz. So this quiz will take you through, I think it's 20 true or false questions. And then it'll spit out where you are in terms of your work lifestyle. There's three options. And not only will you learn where you are and you'll gain some awareness and clarity about perhaps what's getting in your way. I also give you, depending on what your result is, I give you a customized tool. These are the tools that I actually use with my clients that I use in my signature program, Well and Wild Method. So you'll get a taste of what that looks like. But also, it's going to just support you to start to change up some things, to get some awareness. And actually, with, with stuff that we talked about today, there's, you'll, you'll see a lot of parallels in what we're talking about with the tools. So go ahead and check that out. We'll put the link in the bio or not the link in the bio, but the link in the show notes. And um, I hope that you guys enjoy that. All right, thank you so much for tuning in and I'll catch you on next week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you took some value from today, be sure to share it with me by leaving a review so that I can keep the good stuff coming your way. If you aren't already following me on social media, come soak up the inspiration on Instagram by following along at WellWolf or visiting the website at WellWolf.com. I can't wait to connect with you on the next episode. In the meantime, be well, be wild.